0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today is definitely not Halloween. We dress like this every day. Moving on with the rest of the show, though, we have some exciting topics like what would we use if we didn't have a firearm and uh, prepping for every budget, along with a bunch of other great topics. I'm really excited for this show. I'm Ava. That's Eric. And of course, this is Peaches the Lion. Peaches, I think it's time to get a haircut. (laughs) You
1: know, that's a dog? I would have swore it was just a baby lion that you were holding.
0: No, that's what I So here's a little fun fact is I actually shave my peach. Um, but when I don't, this is what it looks like. <laughs>
1: oh, my God. oh boy. That's what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I know what I'm doing later tonight other than obviously passing out Halloween candy. <laughs> Uh, okay so you guys guessed it it's halloween yeah we're a week late but when we record we always pre-record and it just so happens that today is halloween um i am dressed up like a barbie um i don't know if you guys saw the barbie movie i might get some haters for for saying that i actually saw the barbie movie and i actually enjoyed it just because i was raised around barbies like that's what i grew up you know playing with and i thought it was a pretty fun like movie but anyways, I uh, I recently just took some pictures with me holding guns and I was like, yeah, the Barbie that we all wanted, but didn't make an appearance in the show. But I am the Barbie when they are heading into the real world and they have to skate there. And Eric, you are I'm guessing you're going to play some music for us later.
1: I mean, you know, look, I think that Halloween can be rather pretentious. You know, if I'm really oh. being honest, people always want to be something they're not, you know, but look I, I I can I can I can I can be a mariachi sure I, I'll take a crack at it anyway. <laughs> you know, I love I, it I actually bought this costume for a video that I was going to do not too long ago um, I'm I'm still going to make the video but you know uh save Your equipment makes those guitar cases oh yeah uh, that have you know that they're actually gun cases but they're shaped like a guitar case I was going to do a silly little thing i'm still going to make that video now admittedly when i bought this costume it was way too tiny for me and i've lost some weight so i was able to fit back in it so at least that's Be- good right
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely another perk of losing weight all right oh, yeah. so uh starting off with the show it's time to do some mail call i recently lost my magazine sponsor Um, which is really interesting. I've never had somebody just be like, okay, well, you know, like mid contract quit on me and then unfollow me on Instagram. But, uh, luckily, you know, I have some other, you know, friends in the area and, uh, a men to mags. They came in and they sent me a bunch of magazines. So let me show you. Oh, well, First of all, so they heard that I was dressing up as Barbie, so they gave me a pink mag, you know, to go with my AR. No, I'm kidding. Actually, they gave me this a while back. Um, This one's one of my favorite. It has sprinkles on it. And then I literally just opened this box. um, And oh, cool. So it's a clear one, translucent, and it has uh, sprinkles on it. And... Looks like a few more translucent mags, more translucent, more translucent. Again, I I feel like you can never have too many magazines. This one is not translucent. This one is black and some more black ones. And this one is also black. And then there's, I mean, it's like the never, who would have thought all that would have fit in this little tiny box? <laughs> but... but um, the, the one that
1: had sprinkles on
0: it, like a donut? Yeah, yes! It's, me, well, now I got a pink one. So this is the pink one, but it oh. looks like they also included this one, which is translucent. Let me see if I'll, let me take this out of the package. I think that bit.
1: one's my jam. I like that one. I know. It's kind of nice when you can see the creamy oh, center. You know how much is in the in
0: the middle still. Right?
1: I mean, and how much yeah.
0: <laughs> I know. So I love I love the translucent mags. Um, I also really like this. The the base plate, which is white. Like it just kinda, I don't know, gives it a nice little look. So yeah, I'm really excited to be trying these out and um amend to a uh, they, you know, thanks for thanks for hooking it up. So I really appreciate that um peaches is excited for it as well so yeah i think we're all set um eric what did you get
1: i got in some triggers from ballistic engineering Uh, these are a really nice drop-in ar trigger hopefully you can see there's not too much glare or whatever Uh, this particular one is a flat shoe a three pound that breaks super clean um this guy used to work for timney and went off to start his own his own venture and this is his core model Uh, which is more of a traditional drop-in AR trigger. This one breaks at about four and a half pounds, so a a nice, clean uh, break. We are going to be doing a video on these triggers. So uh, that was one of the most recent things I got in. Nice. Very cool. He also makes, oh, real quick, he also makes a SCAR trigger as well. Oh, nice. Our drop-in SCAR trigger, which this one is probably going to go in my SCAR-heavy And uh, we'll be doing some work with that as well. So got a SCAR trigger and a couple of nice AR triggers there uh, from Ballistic Engineer.
0: Very cool. All right. So now it is time to talk about, um, let's see here. Uh, We have a would you rather question. Uh, Today's question is, if you had to be stranded, would you rather be stranded in a forest or a desert? So... Automatically, I'm thinking of like, you know, like Naked and Afraid or, you know, any of those uh, reality TV shows where they drop you off in the middle of nowhere and you don't know if you're going to be in the desert or somewhere super cold or, you know, foresty. Um, But that's a good question because obviously there's pros and cons to each, but I would probably say forest just because there'd be more stuff to, you know, make shelter with. uh, There'd be stuff to eat. Whereas like you're kind of in the middle of nowhere and it's just like super sandy. But yeah, that's, that's what I would go with.
1: Well, thing is, you know, without water you're, you're toast. And, um, you know, depending on the type of desert, I mean, yeah, there, there's water that's accessible in a desert terrain, but obviously it's going to be much harder to find. And, you know, that's a big if versus in the woods. I mean, yeah, you may have to deal with potentially some dangerous animals. Eventually, you know, you may have to worry about bears and things depending on which type of wood you're in, but, Mm -hmm. I agree. I think you're going to have infinitely more resources and and chances for survival in the woods than you would be uh, out in the middle of a desert somewhere.
0: That's for sure. Yeah. The only thing that comes to mind, though, is I'm sure that there's so many more bugs in the forest. I have a friend who um, I interviewed actually on my other podcast, Gun Funny, and she was on Naked and Afraid a few episodes. And the I'm trying to think she went to they dropped her off like somewhere in Columbia or something like that and she said that she got like eaten alive and she showed me pictures I mean she's like wearing very minimal clothing this is like after being stranded for I don't know maybe she made it 19 days or something don't quote me on that but um you couldn't even see like her skin just looked like it was welts. it was a rash and and it actually wasn't a rash it looked like a rash but it was all bug bites. I'm like, I don't think I could last. Like, I get I get bit by a mosquito, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I want to go inside now.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah, you do have to deal with a lot of bugs out, out in the, uh, you know, out in the forest and everything. Yeah. You know, it makes you wonder, like, how the natives could live, like, that back in the oh,
0: day. Oh, man. I know.
1: You know, that I that mean,
0: be Maybe they found some sort of, like, well, you know, they probably did have, like, Citronella or something, right? They found some sort of
1: natural remedy to keep. They probably like found some mixture with pine pitch or something they could burn and like keep the the bugs at bay. I'm sure.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, they weren't going to put up with it forever, you know. When you think about it, if you lived out in the woods and that's all you've ever knew, I'm pretty sure after about your millionth bug bite, you'd be like, "All right, we got to do something about this."
0: Yeah, yeah, and (laughs) yeah, definitely. Okay, so that question I think kind of goes hand in hand with like so listener questions. So if you guys are just tuning in for the first time, if you have any questions for us, whether it's a would you rather question and go ahead and make it exciting or actually, you know, ask us a legit question uh, or funny, whatever, or um, if you just have, you know, just a random question, definitely either comment below or uh, email us, ppupanel at gmail.com. So this person said, if SHTF, uh, you know, let's say crap hits the fan and you don't have any guns, what are you taking? That's actually a pretty good question. Eric, I'm going to have you go first.
1: It is a good question. So I would say that, let's just say, barring that you don't have access to a firearm, okay, well, what would be some things in, in, a, in a crap hits the fan situation you, you'd probably want to have? Uh, that's a that's a valid point okay well one i would say a good piece of cutlery i mean a good knife is going to go a long way i mean so obviously it it, look everything that you do with security is always in layers right okay Mm -hmm. right first we started out with a rock you know then we found out a way to turn a rock into a bomb and make a grenade so it's like everything is layers that at the end of the the day you're still just throwing a grenade it's still just a rock at its core level right it's just a spicy rock so that's the way you want to think about all this other stuff too i mean just because you don't have access to a weapon, all of your other base preps below that that you would have if you had the weapon should be the same. So like, yeah, if I was walking out the door with my rifle, let's say I didn't have my rifle. Well, I would still have my three day pack with my machete and my freaking my cutlery, and my fire making equipment and my poncho and my you know little bit of food and maybe a couple of days worth of food and some dry socks. And, you know, all of your other baseline preps that you would have in your go bag that would be ready for that moment you know if you can't have your rifle or you don't have a weapon well i mean hopefully you'll find one laying around somewhere or or or, or relieve someone of one if, if if it comes to it i suppose but um you know you're still responsible for all the other baseline aspects of your survival so i would say that you basically just remove that layer and move on as as normal as you would
0: yeah Okay. So then I have to ask if you don't have a firearm at home and you hear a noise in the middle of the night, what are you grabbing? Ooh.
1: So what, what would I, what would I have?
0: Yeah. Like, what would you grab that you're like, okay, well, I don't have a firearm, uh, you know, or you're, let's say you're staying at somebody else's house and you're like, okay, what am I going to use? And, you know, you look around real quick. Okay. So I, the reason why I asked this is because when I was younger I used to hear you know I, I I thought that I heard like random noises and I would always think somebody was in the house when I was alone and I'm like what am I gonna do and stupid me I would grab the hairspray thinking I'm gonna spray them in the eyes with hairspray and then you know that 'll hurt and and then at least then I could just like escape and like leave the house I mean not the stupidest idea but most likely the hairspray is not going to be enough to you know to stop them
1: Well my view of the whole situation might surprise some people. So even if I have a Benelli M4 shotgun loaded up with Bernicke black magic slugs, mm-hmm. I'm still going to try to deescalate and remove myself from the situation of if, all. If I can, I mean, deescalation and verbal judo should always be your number one priority in any type of situation. If yeah. someone, let's just say the power's out, let's use a, a grid down scenario where the power's out and let's say it's been out for a couple of weeks. And let's say the grocery stores have run low, if not completely out of food. And let's just say things are starting to get a little hairy, like people are starting to kind of snoop around and try to snoop around people's houses and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, if someone was just snooping around and you could maybe just avoid the scenario, that'd probably be best, especially if you weren't armed. But even if you are armed, you know, avoidance is probably best. You know, don't cause a ruckus, don't cause a problem, don't start a problem. Yeah, You should be ready to finish problems. Now, let's say I didn't have a gun and and I had to, let's say someone's kicking in the door and here we go. It's, it's, it's fight or flight and I have to react and I have to arm myself somehow. I don't have a gun. Mm -hmm. What would I get? I would say a a good long kitchen knife, um, you know, that I could slip into my, into my belt, you know, and have, have a knife on me, you know, so like a good backup weapon, um, you know, maybe a, a long kitchen knife and maybe even a little short guy too. You know, mm-hmm. you're already at the block, right? Why not grab an extra knife? Because yeah, two, one, and one is none. And then I would say some type of a melee uh, weapon, like perhaps a uh, you know maybe there's a baseball bat would be probably my my first choice because because I tell you, I could swing the heck out of one of those. And and believe me, uh, I'm strong, some bitch. Okay, uh, like <laughs> if, I, if I swing that thing at you, it's gonna it's gonna hurt. Yeah, uh, a fire poker for the fireplace if it's a good sturdy one you know mm-hmm. might not be a bad option you know but i would say some sort of a melee weapon and a piece of cutlery yeah um, a few pieces actually yeah if you had a time you could actually take the kitchen knife duct tape it to the baseball bat Ooh, i like it Got kind of you know if you had a little time to mad max it yeah you could, you could improvise a pretty decent weapon with just a little duct tape and of
0: Yeah, no, I like that because then you don't have to get close, well, as close to the person, which is, you know, always freaks me out. The thought of, you know, having to stab somebody. Um, So I like that. Trust me, that's not what you want. You do not
1: ever want to have to deal with that. No. Everybody thinks they they think of knife fights in movies and stuff, you know, but the truth of the matter is, even if you win a knife fight, you're probably walking away cut.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean. With a a, a whole length. Well, also just the way that the handle of the knife looks, you know, a lot of times because of you like go to stab somebody, your hands probably, you know, it's not going to like slip in as, as easy as it looks. And then, you know, your hands probably going to go down that blade, depending on the handle, if it does have some sort of stopper. But typically it's not if you're just getting it from the kitchen. So you're probably right. going to walk away bleeding. Um, okay. Are, that's what um another person asked do you enjoy cleaning your firearms and i will say i used to like i used to think it was like so relaxing to put on some music you know go ahead clean my guns but then the more guns that i started accumulating the more guns that i started bringing to the range i don't even remember last time i cleaned my guns um and that sounds so bad because i tell my students all the time like if you're using a gun for protection you know it's one thing to have like a gun that you're just like yeah whatever I'm I'm testing it and we're going to see how many times like how many rounds you know can go through it before it like starts to act up but um for the most part you know whatever gun you're using for protection you should make sure that it's cleaned and well maintained and even if it you know let's say you haven't touched it in a year which you shouldn't and it's just you know you cleaned it and you put it away and you haven't touched it in a year lubrication could evaporate. So you might even want to take it back down, give it a good cleaning. But to be completely honest, I will say that no, I do not enjoy cleaning my guns. Um, I'm not, I'm a very clean person. So I also don't even want that all over my house. And obviously I put stuff down before I do it, but it's just like, if I could just hire somebody, I'd be good. I would do that.
1: I get it. I would say that you know, in the early days, like okay, w- when Chad and I would go to the range together and shoot, we always had this ritual. Like we would take our guns apart, down to the smallest piece, and clean every little bell and whistle, and it was part of the ritual. And I would say after so many years of just cleaning guns all the freaking time, um, I eventually, you know, wound up getting um, an ultrasonic cleaner. I got one of those Lyman machines, uh, which is is quite good. And then um, the folks at Afante. Uh, reached out to me and sent me one of the really nice Fonte ultrasonics. So that's the one we have up at Argos. So if you ever mm-hmm. send in a gun uh, that needs repair or maintenance, you know at Argos we always we run them through a professional grade Fonte ultrasonic. But the yeah. ultrasonics take a lot of the grunt work out of cleaning guns.
0: Or yeah, stuff. you know what? I should just do that because they they've there's I mean you could find a lot of them like on Amazon and you know gun websites uh, that really aren't that expensive and. You know, especially the older you get, time's money. So, if you could save that time. You're going to save, you know, probably quite a bit of money.
1: I'll send you a link to the Lyman one because it's it, it's really nice. It's got a heater, and all you do is you just run water and simple green, right? You can you can flush okay. it down the drain. It's not gonna it's not bad for the environment. It's nothing yeah. bad about it. But it's got the heating element. You put a little water and simple green. Take your gun apart as far as you feel comfortable taking it apart. Throw it in there. Go drink coffee. Come back in, in 45 minutes or so, 30 minutes. Um, take your air compressor, blow it off and dry it, lubricate it. You know, you may oh. have to take a dental pick and maybe scrape a few stubborn areas. But for the most part, the ultrasonic yeah. does all the work.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out.
1: Yeah. It takes so, the
0: so listener comments. Um, so from Dave, S, he said, in 1917, the U.S. Army tested what later became known as the M1917 Browning machine gun. It was able to fire nonstop for 48 minutes and 12 seconds, over 21,000 rounds. How do you spell awesome? That's crazy. Can you imagine shooting for 48 minutes nonstop? Well, I'm sure actually you probably could because you do your meltdown videos. <laughs>
1: I've never had one last 48 minutes straight. That's
0: Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, that's a lot. And then 21,000 rounds. Next comment is from Rolo Tomasi. The time I spent in the Middle East, actually, Eric, this one's for you. The time I spent in the Middle East ruined me for Indian food forever. All the dining facility personnel were Indian and everything they, they made tasted like curry. Eggs with curry, French toast with curry, steak with curry, everything tasted like curry. After nine months of this, it would make me sick even to smell it, which I could totally understand. Um, When I lived in New York City, um, one not this wasn't the last apartment that I had, but it was like maybe the third to last apartment that I had. And I lived in Murray Hill, which is like a really nice area in New York City. But the apartment was right above a Indian restaurant. And one, it had all the cab drivers would all just like hang out there at this restaurant and um yeah it would i mean the smells because you i mean curry smell is like in really all the indian food is very like i mean it's pretty strong and so i very could good. i could totally yeah i could totally relate to this and i think my apartment at the time was on the third floor so i couldn't even imagine if you were like the first floor right above this restaurant
1: <laughs> i mean if you were eating you know a, a type of of food that, you know, uses a curry seasoning that you would expect to have it like the, yeah. that makes sense. But like, if it was like your steak and eggs and like your everyday things that you wouldn't expect to have curry flavor, I could see where that would be a little off-putting and curry. Yeah. You know, a lot of the Indian seasonings are very, um, very fragrant and very, you know, very floral almost like mm-hmm. they have almost a pungent, uh, sometimes a sweet or bitter pungent, uh, aroma and flavor and, and it's not for everybody. Um, you know, I, I personally love Indian food. And one thing I wanted to um, add to that last uh, comment you'd mentioned about the 1917 real quick. Um, I would recommend if anybody has never checked it out, pick up a copy of Hatcher's Notebook. If you're into that type of stuff to know like how far things can go uh, in terms of testing that they've done, especially on stuff in that era. Um, that's a volume I would recommend. It's called um, Hatcher's Notebook. It was written by Julian Hatcher. Uh, Hmm. you should be able to find a copy on Amazon paperback shouldn't be too, uh, too expensive, but, uh, yeah, check it out. Hatcher's notebook. If you're into that type of stuff, uh, there's tons of nerdy data in there that will definitely please your soul.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I will check that out. That's good to know. Okay. So it is time for the main topic, which is prepping for all budgets and I was thinking about a lot of this stuff. Like you know, there's things that you could easily do, like in the last episode, for example, you said that, like, you know, you don't have to spend a bunch of money, like when you go to the grocery store. Maybe just spend like five or ten dollars extra and or buy you know, buy a few extra things. but i I figured, you know, we should probably discuss this just so that people know exactly, you know, like what are some ways that they could do it, especially affordably, uh, where it's not going to break the bank. and Also, I realized that, like, even when it comes down to food and stuff like that, um, or even like what they should prep, some people may not even know, you know, what's going to last or what would be a good idea to, you know, I guess, hoard. Um, So that's why I was like, you know what, let's just our next episode. Let's talk about it.
1: That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, that that uh, particular discussion is such a wonderful uh, springboard that can go in so many different directions. Mm -hmm. So the way that I would approach that. Uh, when we're looking at, you know, these preps and things, the only thing that that separates someone who doesn't have a lot of money to prep and someone that does is time. Given enough time, even someone with limited means can be just as well prepared as someone with much better means or, you know, disposable income or whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, the main difference is obviously, you know, you're going to have to just peck at it a little bit slower when when you don't have as much money to invest. You know, it can be a simple 10 or $15 every time you go to the grocery store and buy yourself some extra canned goods or something like that. Um, you know, don't discount those sales. You know, those sales are out there. So if, you know, they're selling, you know, there's a sale on rice, buy one, get one free, or there's a sale on um, beans of, of some sort. I mean, so there's lots of dried goods that you can store and lots of those can either be like vacuum sealed uh, individually, right? Uh, sometimes I take 15 bean soups when they're running them, buy one, get one free. I'll buy extras of those and I'll put them together because a lot of times you can take a, ba- a basic protein and just add it in with some 15 bean soup. I mean, look, it might be a rabbit or a squirrel, but believe me, that's a hearty meal that you'll be happy yeah. to have. Um, just remember that when you're dealing with raw beans, uh, you're dealing with pastas, and rice and things of that nature, you, know, you do have to have a decent supply of water to be able to cook all that stuff. So that's just one thing to consider. You got to have a way to heat up water. So- there are all those considerations. I mean, obviously, on the, the higher end of the spectrum, if you have lots of money to spare and you don't, and you want to insulate yourself rather quickly and you're you you know you're one of those people that's like, okay, you know what? I got a few grand or something I can put back. Um, I don't have to necessarily peck at this as I go. I just want to have a one-stop shop and get done a little quicker. Uh, there's always the prepackaged freeze-dried food options harvest right. And there, there's a ton of not no, harvest rights. to people that actually make the freeze-dried units, I believe. Um, I forget that. I'll have to look up the the name of the the one company that I was working with at one point. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but they make freeze-dried meals. And, you know, those are ready to go. All you got to do is add water, reconstitute it, warm it up, and bam, you've got a meal, a very nutritious meal too. Freeze-dried food is great because it maintains all of its nutritional quality. Uh, you don't lose any of the of the nutritional quality of the food uh, once it's freeze dried you can even Ava look you can buy freeze dried ice cream sandwiches girl oh wow i'm talking that a sounds good a mylar and you, it, 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 if you've ever gone to like the air and space museum in DC and gotten the the astronaut ice cream sandwiches that's basically what it is it's a freeze dried ice cream sandwich but huh. you can freeze dry all kinds of stuff You can freeze dry Skittles and other candies.
0: Yeah, I've had I've had quite a bit of candy that was freeze dried, and it's like it's interesting. It kind of you're chewing on it, and you're just like, okay, this is definitely not what you'd expect. Like you taste the Skittles or um, whatever candy it is, but like the the texture is like completely different. And I don't know. It's like it's fun to eat, but then I also I'm like, okay, just give me my regular candy back. but that said, you know, obviously, if you know the world's coming to an end, I'm not going to be like, oh, these don't taste like real gummy bears. <laughs> I'll be happy that I even have it.
1: Well, so, freeze-dried I... food, you know, does constitute amongst the most expensive type of food that you can you can prep, though.
0: Yeah. So freeze
1: dryers are expensive, and they're expensive to run, and they're time-consuming to run. So obviously, anytime you're doing a run with a freeze-dry unit, and you're buying it from a supply house that does freeze-drying it is going to constitute probably the most expensive per meal cost of, of what you can do in terms of prepping. However, it is the longest lasting. All right. And that's something to mention too. I could literally make a tray of lasagna, Ava, lasagna girl, and I could let it sit, you know, whatever, maybe put it in the fridge overnight, you know, where I can cut it, you know, how it would little kind of cut into little pucks. Yeah. And I can make those pucks and freeze dry them. And I could literally have homemade lasagna, my own lasagna that I made myself. Freeze dried, interesting, and you can have freeze dried lasagna. So the food goes in and comes out exactly the way that it was put in. So but so eat-
0: then, it it might be beneficial then if somebody is you know if if they want to do this as opposed to spending thousands of dollars, it might be beneficial to invest in a freeze dryer, which I've right. seen quite a few like pop up on Amazon or not Amazon. I think even Costco and. They seemed somewhat affordable, but I'm sure it was like much smaller than, you know, I mean, like you could do candy and stuff. But I, you know, I think if you do your research, it might be something that people might want to buy and start prepping their own food. So, well, a, um, an
1: XL sized Harvest Right freeze dryer mm-hmm. is generally sets you back about 2000 bucks.
0: Okay. But so, really, that's that's not horrible, though, when you think about what you would spend and how much you're really gonna get, you know, if you were to support one of those companies versus you doing it yourself and actually make like knowing that you're gonna like the food as opposed to it tasting like an MRI and or I'm sorry, an MRE. And um and it's just kind of like, eh, you know. Um so when people go to the the grocery store, what do you recommend that they buy? Like what has the most shelf life? And, yeah. you know, you mentioned rice, beans, are you thinking like canned tuna fish or you know, yeah. what other things do you think are are probably the best to stock up on? Definitely
1: your canned proteins. So, okay. look, I know people, that and I, spam, but I, I love spam. I buy it when it's on sale. So the thing is, is I consume spam from time to time. Like, I I have it in my normal diet. Now, I don't eat it a lot, but maybe once a week I might have some spam and eggs. Like, that, that's yeah. kind of my jam. And yeah. I'll, I'll cut it real thin and fry it. And look, spam's good. You know, super salty. Yeah. Ugh, it's great with eggs. But anyway, the point is... um. Any type of proteins, corned beef hash is good because you've got some good dense carbohydrates in there. You've got the meat in there. So corned beef hash is a great prep Uh, just because it's very calorie dense. It's very nutritious. It's got, you know, good carbohydrates and fats and proteins, which are definitely something you're going to want to have. I would say concentrate on canned proteins, you know, canned fish, canned uh, tuna, you know, I wouldn't really do the pouches as much, do the actual tins. Now, here's the thing. If you're if you're prepping on a on a budget and you're tempted to just buy an extra can of food here and there, look, canned food is fine. You can survive off of it, but really, for a super long term uh, result, you do want to really stick with some type of a fresh food that you can make. You know, you need fresh vegetables. You need fresh meat. You need you know other fresh food that you can add into this. you know, you don't want to just live off canned meat and canned fish and processed food because at the end of the day, it is a processed food. So it is very high in salt, a lot of sodium content, right? Mm-hmm. As part of the preserving, you know, they, they do have just a lot of salt in them and it's not a problem, but obviously, you know, the more salty you're eating and the more sodium in, that you have in your diet, you're probably going to want to make sure your water intake is good. Yeah. So that means you have to have that much more water. So canned food is a great way to kind of, to kind of solidify yourself and for things to be you know, kind of amicable in that situation, like in terms of pressure canning, you know, I do pressure can venison and things like that on my own. Mm-hmm. Right. And that the pressure canned food that I make will last seven to 10 years. No problem. If not longer, you know, especially the way you store it. So a lot of how long your food is going to last depends on storage conditions. You know, if you're storing them out in some rusty shed, you know, some non-temperature controlled shed out in your, your yard or something. Then yeah, those cans are eventually going to rust, and then the uh, the food is gonna become compromised a heck of a lot sooner than mm-hmm. it would otherwise. So the the length of storage that you get out of canned food is gonna depend on how you store it, and you can always go a long way past the expiration date, right? The expiration date is something they put on there as a, you know, to cover themselves. Mm-hmm. But traditionally, processed canned food can actually last a heck of a long time, a yeah. freakish time. So you're not doing yourself an injustice by buying some beans and rice and cans of food and another type of processed food, that's fine. But try to supplement it with fresh things as well and, and try to have a plan to obtain fresh food as well so that's not all you're relying on. Yeah. And just understand that, you know, it probably isn't the best thing to live on in the long term. You know, sometimes I buy Campbell's soup when it's on sale, Right. But it's it's all junk.
0: (laughs) But it's but it's all yeah. That actually, but you know that that brings me into a good point that you made. You know, as far as like uh, fresh vegetables and stuff. So I collect seeds, and I heard I don't know how true this is, but I heard that like getting like really good like organic seeds is getting harder and harder to find because of all the pesticides. And so, um, you know, if you guys, I mean, even at the end of the season. Like right now, a lot of people are just like trying to clear off, you know, a lot of the the summer stuff. So I noticed that there was a lot of seeds on sale. But I would also kind of look into where you get these seeds from and the company behind it, so you know, to determine like the quality of the food. But that's something that I don't think a lot of people think about because, you know, depending on the situation, there might be the possibility of you being able to grow your own food.
1: Oh yeah, H- having seeds is important, and you know, yeah. you can also freeze your seeds. So what I do is I'll I'll take whatever seeds I'm going to buy. Um, mm-hmm. I buy them from johnnyseeds.com. That's not a plug or anything. It's just that's what I
0: I was them. like, do they sell apple seeds too? <laughs> uh, Johnny's they- apple seeds. <laughs> <Hey-o>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they probably have apple seeds, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But they have every, every manner of seed. And um, I'll buy my seeds through them and then I'll go through and I'll double vacuum seal them you know, get all the air out and I'll put my oxygen depleters in there just like I would if I were vacuum sealing anything else, yeah. double vacuum seal them and then I'll put them in the fridge and the freezer. It's mm. a good idea. And, uh, and also mushrooms, uh, you can order, uh, mushroom plugs. So they are, uh, they are little, they are little wooden dowels that are cut off that are, uh, impregnated with uh mycelium. Okay. And you can get like chicken of the woods. You can get blue oyster mushrooms, lion's mane, uh, you know, there's all these different edible mushrooms. You can get the, the little mini shiitakes, you know? That yeah. Thing. Um, and what you do is you inoculate logs. So let's say that we had um, some logs down on the property. I could take the chainsaw and cut them into sections, mm-hmm. maybe toss them in the creek or the river, let them kind of get soaked down a little bit, get them wet, pull them back out, take my drill and I drill holes in the log and I inoculate the logs with these plugs that are impregnated with the mycelium. and cap them off with wax. And take those logs and I pile them up very carefully somewhere where it's not in direct sun, but, you know, kind of in a nice shady spot in the woods. And uh, believe me, about eight months later, you'll have more edible mushrooms on those logs and you know what to do with. And they literally eat the logs. That's what mushrooms do. They, they will use the fibers from all the plant, the dead plant uh, material. So if mm-hmm. we did not have mushrooms, there would just be. Trees and and undergrowth and crap laying everywhere and nothing it would never it would never decay or go away as quickly. The mushrooms use all of that plant matter that is dead on the on the forest floor as fuel to grow. So it's it's, mm. it's a diverse ecosystem, but we can we can use that to our advantage by inoculating logs and giving them some food, and then yeah. later we have more edible mushrooms, and we know what to do with. The mushrooms are extremely uh, nutritious. And that's a great, uh, that's a great passive thing that you can do. All you got to do is just initially inoculate the logs and then you've got some mushrooms.
0: That's actually, I mean, I didn't know that, but you know, for future reference, we should almost do a show on things that let's say we were just dropped out, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, in my case, you know, let's say everyone just had to fend for themselves and, uh, had to go up into the woods and live off the woods. I, um, This past summer spent some time like searching for mushrooms. And there's a ton of mushrooms out there that are edible. I realized that Colorado has a ton of raspberry and strawberry bushes. I even found wild hops, uh, like all kinds of stuff. And I started just kind of doing it just for fun, just to educate myself on like, okay, you know, if I don't have the internet, I don't have my phone to look at, like my plant ID identify things i should probably familiarize myself with like what you know certain things look like so that i know if i can eat it or not or you know if it will produce food and that might be an episode that we we might want to explore later on i think we should switch it up um, unless you have anything else to add as far as like the food topic goes
1: well there's always stuff that can be discussed on the food topic um the only thing i'll add is that there are mushrooms that will kill you
0: Yeah, I know. (laughs) There's also mushrooms. There's mushrooms that will make you feel really good, too. Okay. (laughs) Uh (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't know that. But yes, uh, there's a lot of food out there that will that will kill you. Um, We ended up getting this mushroom book, my friend and I, and we were looking at it. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, and it, it could even just be like the gills underneath if it's like slightly different. It could be like the difference between like, okay, it's deadly versus it's edible. So really pay attention to that. And then um, I would say one thing that we should probably add, actually, before wrapping up the food portion is water. And I know that some places, some states like Colorado, for example, you couldn't collect rainwater for the longest time. It was actually illegal, which is so dumb. But there's lots of things that you can do in order to collect water or, you know, again, it's one of those things you go to Costco or, you know, any grocery store. And when you're there, just buy an extra case of water and just, you know, start putting it in an extra room in your house or your basement or garage or something like that. Um, um They also have those those things that uh, I can't think of the company name right now, but it purifies the water. So like as you put it in, it purifies it and then it. Um, it'll go out and it's just like this little tiny device. And that might be something that you might want to include even in like your bug out bag. And just in case if, you know, you're, you know, yeah. things happen and you have to leave your house and you have everything in your house. Yeah. You've got your life straws and things like that, you know, mm-hmm. which are
1: great to have in your bug out bag. You can literally, you know, drink out of pretty much any water source you want and it'll, it'll get rid of most of the, the bad things in it. They're going to, you know, cause you any type of harm. I would always recommend also that people buy, so they make these water bladders that are made to sit in your tub and it takes up, you know, the size of your tub. And let's say that, you know, that maybe something bad is about to happen. uh, There's a storm about to come through. You can fill that bladder up with water right out of the faucet. Now, granted, it's just how it comes out, you know, just like it would in your bathtub, but that water can be boiled. It can be used for cleaning and cooking and whatever you need. And obviously you can purify it and drink it if you need to filter it if you need to so um believe me a, a bathtub of water might seem like a, a trivial thing but you know if if the power is going to be out for a week uh you it might be nice to have that and if you have multiple bathrooms however many tubs you have i would just i would have bladders for those tubs and that's one of the probably cheapest ways that you can have some water on hand you know if you've got a little bit of a of, of, of fair notice and you know it's happening go ahead and fill those bladders up and then you don't have to worry about it you got all the water you need you can take those bladders they even make pumps for them where you can like pump the water out so like if you need to flush your toilet
0: for instance mm-hmm. yeah
1: and the power's not on you can just take some water out of that bladder, put it in a, like a bucket and flush a roof.
0: yeah you go. i remember um i was there i was in new york city for uh, one of the hurricanes and at the time i worked for the new york yankees and the coo he called a meeting with all the employees and that was one of the things that he suggested was fill your bathtub up with water just in case. And it actually definitely helped um, most of us. I mean, most of Manhattan and Long Island and Brooklyn and Queens and all that, we were without power and water for quite a while. So, yeah.
1: So there you go. Yeah. In practice, that's definitely one thing you can do. And like, look, of course the water cases, like you mentioned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pick up an extra case of water. Heck yeah. I mean, yeah. you're obviously going to need water to drink and brush your teeth and things like that. Um, but that, that water in the bladder is definitely going to go a long way for cooking. and Because think about it. When you cook at the house and you're pouring water into, you know, your, your, your pot or whatever to boil some potatoes or something, you're not using filtered water out of the fridge. You're just pouring it out of the faucet because, you know, it's going to mm-hmm. boil and kill and whatever's in it anyway. Yeah. So I think most people, when it comes to cooking, they, you know, they just use tap water anyway.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about firearms and ammo. And um I've always thought yeah, I mean it's great, you know, the more ammo and guns the better, but I also think, you know, okay, again there's two situations. There's the one where you're like everyone hunkers down, you're going to be in your home and you know, in that case it's great that you have all this ammo and guns. And then there's the chance where something happens and you can only take as much as you possibly can hold and you have to leave immediately. And so that's why I've always thought about you know, what caliber would I want? What caliber is fairly lightweight, you know, but a little bit more compact where I can hold a lot more. Same with the gun. You know, I mean, for anybody out there who's like, yep, 45, it's great. You know, I mean, again, nine millimeter, you're going to hold a lot more rounds in your magazine, nine millimeter than you would 45. And we could, you know, that's an argument for another day. But for me, I think the more ammo, the better. That's not to say that I'm out here carrying a bunch of twenty-two. I think that has its purpose but um i don't know what would you say for people i guess for both like if you're hunkering down your house and you know and you're saving up ammo which in my opinion i don't think that you can ever have enough ammo and worst case scenario if you're just like you know what maybe i do have enough ammo and you start selling it ammo is one of those things where i think it's going to increase in in value so and it's not really it's not going bad as long as it's stored properly
1: I think you hit the nail on the head. Okay, if you've got your favorite rifle that you love more than anything, say you're a scar person, you got a mm-hmm. you know 7.62 by 51 scar, a 308 scar, yeah, and yeah, you want to make sure you have some extra battle packs with M80 ball. You know, I'm a scar guy, so I make sure I keep plenty of ammo for my scar. Same thing for 5.56. Um, I mean, I think it's safe to say that 5.56 is the go-to caliber. For a lot of people i mean for obvious reasons because ars are so prevalent and popular even if you're not an ar person chances are if something bad enough does happen you're eventually going to stumble across one so it's probably a good idea to have some ammo for that i mean i'd keep as much 556 around as you can afford um 22 see the nice thing is if i have let's say like a little ruger charger pistol uh, you know like i've got one that i that i had an sbr out of uh, or whatever and it you know, it's it's a cute little package. It's got the deep six chassis with a suppressor, red dot. You know, it's a it's a neat little gun and I can stuff that thing in a backpack and it doesn't take up a lot of room or anything like that. Yeah, could I um just, you know, carry a couple of mags for that gun and maybe like a brick of ammo. Yeah. Maybe vacuum seal the ammunition and and, mm-hmm. uh, and vacuum seal bags to condense it down and maybe in fifty round packs so I'm not having to like, you know, carry around some box that's going to get wet and fall apart in your back, yeah. you know? So think about how you're going to carry it, how you're going to store it, you know, maybe vacuum seal 50 round uh, individual packs that you can reload your, you know, if you've got two BX 25 mm-hmm. magazines that hold 25 rounds, well, go ahead and vacuum seal 50 rounds and, and a little Mylar package or whatever. And that way it keeps it waterproof. It keeps it safe. It keeps it light. It, you can stuff it in the bag and it takes up less room you could have 500 rounds of 22 ammo and it wouldn't take up a lot of space or, or weight or weigh a lot. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of shots in your 22, but then also have, you know, a, a load out of five, five, six mags, you know, maybe six or eight extra mags and, and things like that. So you can quickly get to a point where you carry like way too much. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know, you know, it can weigh you down, but it is important to have, Lots of ammo. And I feel the same way, Ava, about batteries. I I have an absurd amount of CR123 batteries. I'm talking, I bet I probably have about 500 of those batteries. Huh.
0: Yeah. That's actually a really good point. And probably, I mean, I have some, I do, I've stocked up on batteries, but probably not as much as I should. And so that's actually a really great point as well because chances are thermals are. are
1: great. Night vision's great, but what happens when the batteries die? Exactly. You got to be able to, you know, keep your devices going. You know, those devices could save your life. You might
0: want to keep them going. It's just, yeah, you know, something to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are your thoughts on five-seven by twenty-eight?
1: I like five-seven by twenty-eight. I think it's a great cartridge. Um, it does have some some good terminal effect and everything. Um, I am partial to the black tip ammo, the armor piercing stuff, which is hard to get. And very expensive. Uh, I think the cartridge does have a lot to offer. I know Lehigh makes a really, really screaming five-seven round that is, that is cooking. And uh, I think even out of a eight-inch eight barrel, a short barrel like a P90, it's definitely you know got some got some steam. And then CMMG has their descent line uh, that has a bufferless AR pistol, so you could put a folding stock on that, have a nice short compact setup in five-seven with like an eight or ten-inch barrel. And believe me, 5.7 has um, a lot of great effect. Um, my only complaint is the ammo cost. You know, for, for what 5.7 costs to purchase, I, I'd almost just rather have 5.56 five, Yeah. Um, have more power. That's just kind of my thinking. But then mm-hmm. again, something like the FN 5.7 pistol, uh, don't get me wrong, like that pistol with the right ammo, you go to yeah. that and me if you're on the receiving end of
0: that thing. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing. That I wanted to ask you about. So do you stock up on precious metals or do you keep cash, you know, at hand, which I will say, um, even a few months ago, you know, as a lot of the banks were closing, because there's, you know, and even if there's one thing that I will say, so even if it is like, um, what is it, FDIC insured or whatever, I'm like, okay, we're still relying on the government. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I do not trust the government at all. So I always keep cash on me. I do not keep all of my money in the bank. I definitely diversify and I encourage everyone to do so. But when a lot of these banks were closing, I went to my bank and let's say, you know, I asked for, let's say I wanted $1,000 out. And they were like, yeah, um, can we ask why? And I'm just like, what do you mean? Can you ask why? Like, you're going to ask me why, you know, why I want to take my money out. And and I was like, I just, you know, I'm just going to buy something. And they were like, okay. They're like, well, we don't have it all right now. Um, But if you want, you know, you can make an appointment and we'll have more for you. And we could just do it in like smaller increments in the next two weeks. And I mean, if nothing else, like that should be a huge red flag. But my biggest... um. My biggest fear for a long time, like keeping cash is, you know, what happens if there's a fire and then also gun safes, you know, sounds like a great idea, but a lot of times like if your house gets broken into, people are always going to go for the gun safe first and depending on how long you're gone, maybe they take the gun safe with them or they break into it. So I found these fireproof bags, these like fireproof, I guess like pouches and I got them off of Amazon and they last up to like a really high degree, uh, so if there was a fire, it would still, it would still last quite a bit. Um, and so I started putting money in those and then hiding it in certain places. And so that might be something that you know people might. In fact, I wonder if I should. I could look for if anybody wants to know if they're listening to the show and they're like, oh hey, if you could post a link or the name of that bag, just let me know and I'll post it at the bottom of this video. But Somebody told me they gave me that advice and I was like, that's actually a really great idea. And so that's what I did. Um, As far as gold and silver, though, I haven't really invested too much in that. And that's just because I'm like, I don't know if, if, you know, I mean, granted, I know that dollars aren't backed by anything. I mean, it hasn't been backed by the gold standard in years. But are people really going to be so concerned with precious metals when they're just trying to survive? So it's like, I guess, my my biggest fear.
1: I think that, you know, that's completely correct. I mean, you can't eat a piece of gold. You can't eat it, a yeah. piece of gold. And I think that when people get down to that baseline survival and and if things were to get that bad, yeah. The concept that we have in our in our heads of money and what money is, what currency mm-hmm. is, what is currency and what isn't, are gonna be two very different things between reality and what we think currency really is. Yeah. And these disaster situations, currency is going to be courage. <laughs> currency is going to be a well-stocked pantry. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, currency is going to be knowledge and expertise, and you know, people that know a trade and people that have you know, guns and ammo and food and water and and people that have have prepared. Because yeah. when we think about our society so much in terms of the haves and the have-nots, you know, people are so quick to say, you know, well, I I, I live within my means, I work as hard as I can, but I live paycheck to paycheck. And look, I get it. I understand mm-hmm. like, we've all we've all lived paycheck to paycheck. We've all been in a, in a sticky situation where, you know, we're just getting our legs under us uh, in our lives and everything like that, you know, and, and that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when you have a disaster situation, something really terrible, it brings out the best in humanity and it also brings out Ava, the worst in humanity. So these people that are living paycheck to paycheck, what's going to happen when their normal is disrupted in such a way that they don't have any extra food at the house? They don't have any extra money stowed. And I'm not saying it makes them a bad person, mm-hmm. but that's the reality. It's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit in your apartment and starve to death? Or are you going to figure out a way to feed yourself? And, you know, look, people get real ugly when they don't have the things they need. And it's going to be the people that are prepared and the people that are not prepared. And when we look at money, okay, sure. Stock in some cash. Yeah. Someone that is reasonable like you, May go. All right. Yeah, we realize that things are going to be back to normal in a month or two, or whatever, however long. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll sell you this, and and you can barter and trade maybe with someone who's reasonable. But I think that the, the truth of the matter, especially if you live in a large city, is that people are going to be anything but reasonable. Yeah, they're, they're going to be very desperate. And and look, I'm not saying that these people are evil, malicious people, but desperation does breed some really terrible ideas, and desperation will get you to do some really dumb things. Mm-hmm. desperation might get you to try to rob somebody or, or get you to, you know, what are you going to do if your kid is starving? Mommy, I'm hungry. Daddy, I'm hungry. What are you going to do? Or are you going to say, well, I'm sorry, baby, there's no food. No, you got to find that baby some food. Yeah. And you can't blame people for being people. But at the same time, you know, you're going to let it take your crap eat. Mm-hmm. So I don't think a, I don't think all the gold or silver in the world is going to feed that starving baby. I don't think yeah. all the money and cash in the world is going to matter to someone who's been pushed to the brink of insanity uh, by not being able to provide for their family. And that's mm-hmm. the reality that we have to understand. I buy
0: baby formula and stock. I know. Well, look at 2020. I mean, you I can know. find baby formula, formula anywhere. I, I felt so bad for money. mothers. But
1: here's the thing. In a disaster situation, what if I mm-hmm. come across someone I can help Exactly. Maybe and they're starving, and and maybe maybe now because I prep that way, maybe I can help that person. Maybe they have something they can do for me. Maybe maybe I, they mm-hmm. can help me somehow. Yeah. So it's like I'm not saying that's the only reason you do it, but I try to think of everything. I mean, I exactly. Keep formula. I keep medical supplies. I mean, a ton of medical supplies. I've got an entire closet in my house stocked full of nothing but extra medical supplies more than I will ever need more than I will ever use in my entire lifetime. But you never know mm-hmm. if someone else might need it. Maybe they have <laughs> some ammo and I can trade some medical supplies for some ammo. That's what mm-hmm. currency is going to be valuable. Better yeah. valuable to you in that.
0: Actually, um speaking of medical supplies. I wanted to bring up, if you guys don't already definitely uh, save medication. So, I mean, a lot of us are on medication stuff that we need to survive and, I used to think back to something that my teacher said when I was like in elementary school, they were like, okay, if you, uh, let's say you had some sickness or you needed your tonsils taken out or you, you know, your eyesight, you need you, you, either were glasses or contacts or you had a cavity. And she said at that point, you know, if we went back to like caveman times, just by having that, like, if you couldn't see, if you had a cavity, you know, which people died from cavities, like things like this. And it was like very eye-opening. Personally, I'm I'm pretty blind. I wear glasses. Um, I would say, you know, if you only wear contacts, definitely have some glasses on hand. Maybe have a few extra pairs because that will make or break a situation, especially if you're super blind. Um, medication, you know, have extras on hand. You can order a lot of this medication online. It sounds kind of sketchy. Or what I do, and my house looks like a pharmacy, and I'm sure that this is probably why some guys don't want to date me because... You know, they say, look at like their um, (laughs) look at their um, their what is it? The cabinet, you know, the uh, like their bathroom cabinet. And you see like, you know, if you see all their prescriptions and stuff, and I'm sure that that probably like freaks some guys out, like, whoa, man, this girl's got a lot of pills. We got to leave. But it's like stuff that like antibiotics or maybe a doctor prescribed, you know, prescribed me something. He prescribed me like three months of something. And then it turns out we switch prescriptions, but I still always keep that. Um, I know like uh, there's law enforcement, they'll do like um, prescription drop offs, you know, like days where if you, you know, you want to drop off your old pills. Personally, I would not do that. They do say that a lot of prescription drugs do have an expiration date, but I have to believe that even if they do, one is better than nothing. But I'm sure that it also, you know, just like food is going to last a little bit longer than you think. So I just keep all of the, you know, all of the stuff, even if I don't use it anymore. Again, that could be somebody out there who does need it, and I don't. And I could trade it for, you know, trade it with them, Um, or you know, if I got sick or something, antibiotics are extremely important to have on hand.
1: Um, the quality does, you know, degrade as or degrade rather as they, you know, get older. Mm -hmm. If they get past the expiration date, yeah, it may not be as effective. But it's still going to work. I mean, come to antibiotics, right? One of the kind of little secrets out there that people should know is fish mocks. Okay, fish antibiotics. You can go on Amazon. You can order fish antibiotics. Now, listen, okay, I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling you to do this. (laughs) I'm not a medical professional. This is not medical advice. I'm just saying, knock on wood, that what you get at the pharmacy for antibiotics and what they sell for fish is not that different. Okay. Just saying. I mean, hmm. and it look, if it comes down to having it or not having it and you've got a bad infection and no way to get to a proper hospital, it could save your life. I mean, just yeah. saying.
0: Yeah, definitely. Keep and then also infection. Yeah. And then also, you know, um, educate yourself on, you know, ways to deliver, you know, medical procedures, you know, like you know, keep a lot of that stuff uh, that we usually see in like med kits. Um, even you know, different types of tourniquets, uh, chest seals, stuff like that. Which, you know, I mean, depending on the situation, maybe you'll find a doctor nearby that can render more aid than you know than you would be able to. But just being able to use a lot of that stuff, and if you haven't already, you know, definitely go out there, take medical class, educate yourself on that, uh, because that's also super important. Probably more important than even knowing how to use a gun, because the chance of you actually having to render aid on somebody versus protect them with a gun, probably more likely, although in today's current events, I don't know how confident I actually say, you know, how how confident I am actually saying that anymore.
1: (laughs) That's true. And in a disaster situation, Ava, you know, what's going to kill people are your common cold and infection. Like, The little bitty things that you're not prepared for are what is going to end up clipping you in in a bad situation. And everybody Mm -hmm. thinks that it's going to be John Wick and they're going to be, you know, gunning people down left and right. It's not like that. In real life, you're going to respond to a medical emergency much sooner than you're ever going to respond to, you know, something like that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm trying to think, is there anything else that we should that we should cover? Or, I mean, we could always do another episode on this.
1: I, um, I think that there's some stuff that's going to have to bleed into another episode because there are a lot of things to consider. I mean, we just we, we talked about the sort of baseline things like food and medical supplies, yeah. and armaments, you know, protecting yourselves. Uh, but there's a lot of things like escape invasion and like how to blend in and, and crowds. <laughs> like there's a lot of, of different, you know, wheelhouses that this can go into in terms of and like whether you would bug in and bug out, like the strategies for those. You know, obviously, if you cannot have to go anywhere, that's preferred because, you know, you're adding a lot of different uh, variables to the situation when you get out in society. Now you, you have to live and exist amongst all these other crazy people. <laughs> you don't know who they are, or what they're capable of. And, you know, unless you have to, you know, get out there in society, it's probably best not to.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: always been my thinking, but there's an entire philosophy behind that that we can discuss in future episodes for sure.
0: Yeah, all right, cool. Well, I think on that note, we're gonna go trick or treating now. Uh, I got to go put my skates on, and this Barbie is out of here. Eric, I'm sure you're gonna go perform, you know, in front of some people. Uh, actually, I mean, do you want to wrap it up with maybe playing us a little something, something? Okay,
1: all right. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do my I'll do my best mariachi for you. I can't promise. All right, you Hi. You'd have my
0: guitar. <laughs> You're like, This is Alvin. This is I'm
1: so sloppy. Oh, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> my rip ripping crazy spanish
0: i I mean this is yeah i mean i think at this point maybe any viewers that we have left i think we lost them but um (laughs) hopefully you guys will return
1: (laughs) all good stuff all good fun i i do love playing guitar but you know i'm not 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 as best as i could be but i do i do have fun with it
0: yeah All right, guys. Well, hopefully we didn't lose you, uh, you know, for uh, upcoming shows. If you haven't already, please hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to Pew Pew Panel uh, on YouTube. And uh, and then feel free to comment. Ask us questions. You know, would you rather any of that good stuff? And uh, And then if you haven't, please leave us a review and we will see you guys next week.
1: Absolutely. Have a good one, y'all. <laughs>